Chapter Three of the Art of Stage Dancing. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ramon Escamilla. The Art of Stage Dancing by Ned Wayburn. Chapter Three. Ned Wayburn, an Inspiration by Carlton B. Case. Every line of endeavor has its outstanding leaders. The men and women who do great things in a grand way ever command our admiration. We like to hear about their public careers and the intimate side of their exceptional lives is of decided interest to us. This I think is especially true where the noted ones are among our public entertainers, the player folk, who bring so much joy and happiness into the world out of nothing creators of innocent pleasure. Long years before this was penned, and while my locks were innocent of the whiteness that now typifies my years, I was closely associated with the family of Wayburn. I was a man in Chicago when Ned Wayburn was a boy in the same city, starting on what was destined to become a truly remarkable career. I know Ned Wayburn well. He is a king and a thoroughbred, as man or as manager, and to know him is to esteem him. His fame is peculiar in that it is based so largely on the success of other people, the actors and dancers whom he has discovered or directed, and so helped to become stars of the first magnitude. To name them by hundreds is easy. To number all who are approaching stardom, or who, now well placed on the professional stage, have materially profited by his aid and instruction, will go into the thousands. Surely such a record of achievement is ample cause for pride. Ned Wayburn possesses an almost uncanny faculty of discerning latent talent in the line of his profession. You may not know one dance step from another, yet his discerning eye will detect a possibility for you in some branch of the dancing art that results will later prove as correct as they are surprising to yourself. I have heard him tell of Evelyn Law, that when she first came to the studio she exhibited a tap-and-step dance as her specialty. This type of dancing was totally unsuited to her, said Ned, and I told her so. And I also told her what her line was. She took my advice, and today she leads the world in that type of dancing, and her salary has four figures in it every week. The man who can do that is a genius, and Ned Wayburn has done it many, many times. There is one outstanding fact in his entire career as producer of shows and director of the education of his pupils in his dancing studios. He insists that everything and everybody about him shall be the best. His studios are fitted up the best, regardless of cost. Sixty thousand dollars he paid for the fittings and furnishings of the two floors contained in his perfect establishment for teaching dancing at Columbus Circle, Broadway and 60th Street, New York. His instructing staff must be the best. His pupils must be the best. I mean that, not that the pupils are so qualified when they enter, but that when they are ready to graduate from his institution into the professional life of the stage, then they must be the best. Nothing else will do. So, too, in his own stage productions, and he has several, and more are in prospect. They are nowhere slighted. The best cast music, dancing, costume, scenery, everything, always. Ned never was a piker. He wasn't born that way. 
lavish some consider him but he finds his luxuriant presentations are appreciated by the line in front of the box office he couldn't put on a cheap show if he wanted to one goes to a ned wayburn show with the assurance of getting his money's worth in beauty and pleasurable entertainment it pays and the financial test is after all the one criterion by which to form a final judgment in things theatrical now i am going to give some details of the inspiring career that began with an ambitious boy possessed of an artistic temperament a love of music and of the beautiful and who was at the same time a hustler and a born executive a career developed by experience still in progress and not yet at its culmination as you read it will seem almost incredible that one man still comparatively young could in so brief a period have accomplished so much that calls for great mental stress and extraordinary physical activity. Ned Wayburn was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where his parents were socially prominent. Later, the Wayburn family moved to Atlanta, Georgia, and thence to Chicago. During his school days, he first attracted attention as an amateur athlete, winning recognition as a fast runner, trick skater, tennis player, center rush on various football teams, and finally as a semi-professional baseball pitcher and home run hitter. While employed in his father's manufacturing plant in Chicago, he took part in many amateur theatricals, and became noted as a dramatic coach for charity entertainments and clubs, leading cotillions, and taking part in many society and club entertainments. It was at that time that his success in directing and writing dialogue for amateur theatricals attracted the attention of Hart Conway, of the Chicago School of Acting, who promptly engaged him as assistant. At the same time, he had the privilege of seeing and studying the greatest stars and the best attractions at the Chicago Grand Opera House, where he began at the very bottom of the ladder as an usher in the gallery, balcony and main floor. Finally, he became chief usher, then sold tickets for the gallery, took tickets at the main door. The late Aaron Hoffman, famous playwright, was opera glass boy at that time with him, and the well-known star Taylor Holmes was one of his ushers. Eventually he became assistant superintendent of that theater. To gain additional experience, Ned worked as a super with many different attractions, including the companies of Olga Nethersole, Otis Skinner, Walker Whiteside, Julia Stewart, etc., finally playing small parts in the legitimate and Shakespearean drama. Having displayed a natural aptitude as a director while holding prompt books at rehearsals, he became a dramatic director and actor of eccentric comedy and character parts. Then his natural instinct for dancing asserted itself, and he became a specialty dancer, practicing from three to eight hours a day to perfect his dancing, incidentally developing his talent as a musician. The late Colonel John Hopkins saw Ned Wayburn at a society benefit performance in Chicago, and induced him to play one week's engagement. Thus Ned Wayburn made his first professional appearance at Hopkins Theatre, State Street, Chicago, being billed as Chicago's leading amateur, a singing and dancing black-faced comedian doing a ragtime piano specialty and dancing act. This led to other engagements. The piano specialty, which he originated, started the ragtime craze. He played in and around Chicago and the Middle West. He came east to New York and was booked by the late Phil Nash on the Keith circuit, billed as the man who invented ragtime. 
In his piano specialty, he created the idea of playing the classics in ragtime, being the first person on the stage to play Mendelssohn's Wedding March, O Promise Me, Star-Spangled Banner, etc., in syncopated rhythm or ragtime. He was also the first on the stage to do imitations of the harp, bagpipe, mandolin, banjo, etc., on the piano. His act was much imitated all over the world. Upon reaching New York, he met with misfortune. There was no piano for him at his opening performance, and his original act had been stolen and performed in New York ahead of his appearance. This culminated in a period without work. Finally, he found himself walking Broadway from one Thursday morning until late Saturday night, with neither food nor money. Having looked forward so much to New York and what he expected it to bring him, he was at first discouraged, and inclined to give up and go back home with each succeeding rebuff. But he made up his mind to stick it out, no matter what he had to do, until he got on in a first-class company. After months of patient canvassing of all managers' and agents' offices where he was denied recognition, he was finally given an opportunity, through an acquaintance who heard him play in a 26th Street theatrical boarding house to demonstrate his ability in a tryout for the most popular star on Broadway at the time, May Irwin. She immediately recognized his ability and gave him an engagement at $25 per week to introduce Ragtime to Broadway. He was receiving $125 per week when he first came to New York. He wrote for Miss Irwin the first Ragtime song, Syncopated Sandy. He was so hard up at the time that he sold a one-half interest in this song to a man named Stanley Whiting for $25, so this man could have his name on the song as co-author. For an entire season she sang it, and he played it in the performances of The Swell Miss Fitzwell at the Old Bijou Theater, New York City, Broadway between 30th and 31st Streets. Syncopated Sandy sold over one million copies. It was used to teach people to play ragtime. All Mr. Weyburn ever received out of its publication was a $15 advance royalty, which he was glad to get. He also helped write the third act of The Swell Miss Fitzwell, and rewrote the second act, including some of the musical numbers, for which he received no royalty. Incidentally, he was promoted to the position of stage director by Miss Irwin, and wrote some of her most successful songs, receiving a salary of $30 per week. He taught society to play ragtime and to cakewalk. However, he had confidence in his ability and worked hard to gain experience. He canvassed the music stores while en route with the company and sold sheet music which helped defray his expenses, and he saved his spare pennies. Finally, he signed up with Matthews and Bulger, a very popular team of stars. From that moment, the star of success glowed brightly for Ned Wayburn. For two years following, he toured the United States and Canada with Dunn and Riley's musical comedy success, By the Sad Sea Waves, which he helped write and stage, introducing ragtime, now known as jazz, to America, in nearly every city of over 5,000 population. Gertrude Hoffman was one of his dancing girls in the chorus of this show. Being a born musician, he turned his talents, in his spare time, to writing songs, many of which became quite popular, and from which he derived considerable revenue. Spend your money while you live, cause you're gonna be a long time dead, ragtime Jimmy's jamboree, etc., etc. Mr. Wayburn then staged George M. Cohen's first musical play, The Governor's Son, 
and George Ade's first musical play, The Night of the Fourth, the latter at Hammerstein's Victoria Theatre, New York, with Joseph Coyne and Harry Bulger as the featured comedians. Thus began an unending succession of triumphs as a theatrical producer and stage director. Mr. Wayburn was engaged by Oscar Hammerstein as a producing stage director for Hammerstein's Victoria Theatre Paradise Roof Gardens at 42nd Street and 7th Avenue, where the Rialto Theatre now stands, where he had charged three summers and staged the very first girl acts, including Ned Wayburn's Jockey Club with the Countess von Hotzfeld, which toured to the Pacific Coast and back to New York, booked by Martin Beck. He was then engaged by Sire Brothers, as producing stage director for their New York theater and Roof Gardens, where he, a mere boy, staged and directed the greatest company of stars ever assembled under one roof, including Jesse Bartlett Davis, Mabel Gilman, Virginia Earle, Marie Dressler, Nina Farrington, Thomas Q. Seabrook, Dan McAvoy, Junie McCree, Louis Harrison, Marion Winchester, Emma Carus, etc., etc., the Hall of Fame was one of many productions staged for them. He then became producing stage director for Claw and Erlanger. During the next four years produced and helped to create The Billionaire with Jerome Sykes, Bluebeard with Eddie Foy, The Rogers Brothers in London, The Rogers Brothers in Paris, The Rogers Brothers in Ireland, The Rogers Brothers in Panama, The Ham Tree with McIntyre and Heath, Mother Goose with Joseph Cawthorn, Humpty Dumpty, The White Cat, The Pearl and the Pumpkin, Little of Everything with Faye Templeton and Pete Daly, and many other productions for the New Amsterdam Theatre and Roof, also for the New York Theatre Roof, acting as general stage director of both. He leased and managed the New York Theatre Roof Gardens, where he conceived and produced some very successful headline vaudeville acts. Among them, Ned Wayburn's Minstrel Misses, and Ned Wayburn's Reindeers, which afterward played the Keith Circuit and other vaudeville theaters to previously unequaled success. Left Claw and Erlanger to engage in the vaudeville producing field for himself through the encouragement of B.F. Keith, E.F. Albee, Percy G. Williams, William Hammerstein, F.F. Proctor, and Martin Beck. Owned and produced the following headline acts. The Futurity Winner, The Star Bout, The Reindeers, with Neva Amar, The Dancing Daisies, with Dorothy Jarden, The Fantastic Phantoms, with Larry and Rosie Ceballos, The Sideshow, with Harry Pilser, and about a hundred other big acts. Produced his own musical comedy attraction, A One-Horse Town. For Mortimer H. Singer, at the LaSalle Theatre, Chicago, produced the following musical comedies. The Time, The Place, and the Girl, starring Cecil Lean, and which ran 464 consecutive performances to standing room only. The Girl Question, The Golden Girl, The Goddess of Liberty, Honeymoon Trail, The Girl at the Helm, The Heartbreakers, etc. Founded Ned Wayburn's Training School for the Stage, which first occupied the American Savings Bank building, 115 West 42nd Street, between Broadway and 6th Avenue, New York City, and then expanded to the entire five-story building at 143 West 44th Street, next to the Hudson Theater, 
and opposite the Lambs Club. John Emerson, president of the Actors' Equity Association, and Zelda Sears, author of The Lollipop, and many other successes, were then members of his faculty. For the Schuberts and Lou Fields staged The Mimic World at the Casino Theatre, New York. For Lou Fields of Weber and Fields at the Broadway Theatre and Herald Square Theatre staged The Midnight Suns, The Jolly Bachelors, The Henpecks, The Summer Widowers, The Never Homes, The Wife Hunters, Tilly's Nightmare starring Marie Dressler, Lou Fields in Old Dutch, Victor Herbert's The Rose of Algeria, etc. For the Monsieur Schubert at the Casino Theatre, New York, the following musical comedies. The Girl and the Wizard, starring Sam Bernard. Havana, with James T. Powers, made the American version of this libretto. The Prince of Bohemia, with Andrew Mack, and Mademoiselle Mischief, starring Lulu Glazer. Staged and appeared in The Producer, written by William LeBaron, a headline vaudeville production, 50 People, which opened at Hammerstein's Victoria Theatre, New York City, and played for months in vaudeville, headlining in all principal eastern cities. Staged The Military Girl, starring Cecil Lean and Cleo Mayfield, at the Ziegfeld Theatre in Chicago. Engaged by Lee and J.J. Schubert as producer for New York Winter Garden, created a policy for that theatre and a formula for musical productions still used there. Staged The Passing Show of 1912, the Honeymoon Express, with Al Jolson and Gabby DeSlies, Broadway to Paris, The Passing Show of 1913, etc. For the English manager, Albert de Courville, at the Hippodrome, London, England, at the highest terms ever paid a stage director, he directed George Roby, Ethel LeVay, Harry Tate, Billy Merson, Shirley Kellogg, and other famous Continental stars. He staged Hullo Tango, ran over one year, Zigzag, ran one and one-half years, Box of Tricks, Joy Bells, etc. Opened offices in London, producing The Honeymoon Express, which ran five years in London and the provinces. Produced Dora's Doze at Palladium Music Hall and Least Middlesex Music Hall, London, to stage his own musical productions with American, French, and English stars, in association with Oswald Stoll, but was obliged to stop productions there when war was declared. Next, he staged and presented his own production of a farce, She's In Again, at Gaiety Theatre, New York City. Also put on his own $150,000 production of Town Topics with Will Rogers at the Century Theatre, New York, for which playhouse he created a Continental Music Hall policy. It was soon after this that he accepted an engagement as producer and general stage director for Florence Siegfeld, and staged The Follies of 1916, Follies of 1917, Follies of 1918, and Follies of 1919. In addition to the above, Mr. Weyburn devised and staged for Mr. Siegfeld nine successful midnight frolics and two nine o'clock reviews atop the New Amsterdam Theatre, New York, during this time. For Mesmore Kendall, devised and staged the opening presentation for the Capitol Theatre, New York City, September 1919, including an elaborate and very successful review. For Dillingham and Siegfeld at Century Theatre, New York, 
he devised and staged the sensationally successful second-act finale to The Century Girl, 1916, where the 50-foot circular revolving stage was employed so ingeniously in the Uncle Sam finale. Staged Miss 1917 at the Century Theatre, New York, with Irene Castle, Elsie Janis, and 40 other stars. For Lou Fields, The Poor Little Ritz Girl. For A. L. Erlanger, Two Little Girls in Blue, with the Fairbanks Twins, Oscar Shaw, and Evelyn Law, at the George M. Cohen Theatre, New York. Founded Ned Wayburn Studios of Stage Dancing and Ned Wayburn Booking Offices. Staged F. Ziegfeld's production, starring Will Rogers. Also, Follies of 1922, which ran 67 consecutive weeks in New York City and about 40 weeks on tour. No other Follies up to this time ever ran over 16 weeks in New York. Produced many vaudeville acts, among them Ned Wayburn's Dancing Dozen. Arranged motion picture presentations for the famous Players Lasky Theatres. In association with Ben Ali Hagen, produced several tableaux, including Simonetta, Dubbery, and The Green Gong, which were presented in many of the principal cities. Staged the musical comedy Lady Butterfly at Globe Theatre, New York. Staged the Anatole Friedland headline girl act for the Keith Albee and Orpheum vaudeville circuits and The Birth of Venus, a series of beautiful tableaux which were shown in many principal motion picture and vaudeville theaters. Staged for Florence Ziegfeld, Follies of 1923, at New Amsterdam Theater, New York, which attraction played to the largest week's receipts of any Follies ever produced at New Amsterdam Theater. Staged the following headline vaudeville productions. Ned Wayburn's Honeymoon Cruise, an elaborate junior musical comedy adapted for vaudeville with a cast of dancers, principals, and ensemble composed entirely of pupils of the Ned Wayburn Studios. This act, the highest priced in vaudeville, started on tour in January 1924 and broke all box office records of the Poly Theatres in New England, as well as those of many other places on the Keith Albee circuit, including the premier vaudeville theatre of the world, Keith Albee Palace Theatre, New York, and the new $7 million Earl Theatre in Philadelphia. It is still breaking records and is one of the most sought-after acts in vaudeville. Ned Wayburn's Demitas Review, another headline act, composed entirely of pupils of the Ned Wayburn Studios, now on the Keith Albee and Orpheum circuits. The opening engagement at Bridgeport broke the attendance record of the Palace Theatre there, and the same results followed at New Haven, Hartford, and Worcester, when the audiences and newspaper critics alike declared the review even better than Ned Wayburn's Honeymoon Cruise, which had previously held the attendance records in those cities. Ned Wayburn's Symphonic Jazz Review Another new production, also composed of pupils of the Ned Wayburn Studios, touring the principal motion picture theaters in the Middle West, and also Keith Albee and Orpheum Circuits. Staged the dances for Geraldine Farrar in an operatic fantasy, Carmen, all the dancers in this production being pupils of the Ned Wayburn Studios. Society, University, and Private Entertainments For Mrs. William K. Vanderbilt II, devised and staged her Mahjong Fete at the Hotel Plaza, New York, for the Big Sisters Charity, December 1923, 
and her Persian Jazz Fete, December 1924. The Princeton Triangle Club's musical comedy, Drake's Drum, last year, and The Scarlet Coat, this year. The Feline Store's musical comedy, The Caddy Girl, Colonial Theatre, Boston, in April 1924, and Barbara Lee, in April 1925, presented at the Tremont Theatre, Boston, for one week, with Leah Ainsworth, a Ned Wayburn pupil, in the title role. Penn State College Thespian Club's show, The Magazine Cover Girl, last year, and Wooden Shoes, this year. The third annual Masonic Fashion and Home Exposition at Madison Square Garden, New York, May 1924. Elaborate entertainments for the Willys Overland Company at the Hotel Biltmore, New York, three years. Jewelers 24 Karat Club annual entertainment at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel, New York, three successive years. Own Your Own Home Exposition at Trenton, New Jersey. Shriners Frolic at Washington, D.C. Kansas City Junior League Follies, December 1924. Atlanta Junior League Follies, February 1925. A Musical Review for the New York Edison Company, 1925. So successful it had to be repeated. The Providence Junior League Show, 1925. The New Haven Junior League Nautical Ball Cabaret, 1925. The Vincent Club Musical Comedy, Fez, in Boston, April 1925. The Chatterbox Review, in Rochester, April 1925. The Massachusetts Tech Show, The Duchess of Broadway, 1925, and a great many other society, charity, Masonic, and church entertainments. It is out of this amazingly wide and varied experience that Ned Wayburn evolved the courses in stage dancing, stagecraft, and showmanship, which are being taught with such great success today at the Ned Wayburn Studios. Ned Wayburn is known to thousands as the genius who staged the very best editions of The Follies and Midnight Frolics at the New Amsterdam Theatre, New York. But in the world of the theatre, among those who know, he is recognized as America's foremost creator, producer, and director of musical comedies, reviews, headline vaudeville productions, motion picture presentations, fets, and every other form of entertainment that features beautiful, original, or spectacular dancing. His versatility knows almost no limit. His wealth of theatrical experience runs the gamut from his own first appearance as an amateur actor and coach to a succession of triumphs as producing director of the most gorgeous theatrical presentations both here and abroad. Added to his practical stagecraft, there is the vital flame of imaginative genius, a creative faculty that clearly stamps all his work. It is this, as well as his extraordinary executive ability and his all-embracing knowledge of stage technique, that makes him the most sought-after of all directors. It also explains the distinct advantage which pupils of the Ned Wayburn Studios have over all others, in that they are being constantly sought for desirable engagements because of the thorough way in which they are trained, both physically and mentally, in dancing. End of chapter 3 Recording by Ramon Escamilla Conway, Arkansas R-A-M-O-N-E-S-C-A-M-I-L-L-A dot wordpress dot com